0: Great, Odin's raven. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is
1: uh, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll go. I'll go.
0: I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. With,
1: I'll go. Hello, and welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast, episode number twenty-three. My name is Adam, and today I'm joined by Kevin. How are you, Kevin? I am well. Doing well. Yeah, uh, We have a great show lined up for you this week. Uh, we're going to be talking about our thoughts on Oliver Stone's new film, Savages. We've got some Amazon Blu-ray deals for you. And finally, we'll be doing our predictions for this week's opening films. As always, let's get things started with a little bit of what we've been watching. And actually, before we do that, I wanted to quickly give a shout-out to the guys over at Letterboxd. Uh, this is a really, really great website for any big movie buffs it's sort of a social networking site for movies and uh, the guys over there hooked us up with some invites so we could get everybody on the film pulse team uh, linked up with it and it's awesome i'm completely addicted to it we were just talking about it before recording
0: yes i'm addicted You
1: can basically make lists of all the movies you see, keep a diary, rate movies, review movies, follow your friends and see what they're watching. It's a really slick-looking site. It looks great, but it is still in beta, so it's invite-only at this point. So if you want to get involved with it, you'll have to have a friend that's already in there, or maybe if you email the guys they'll they'll send you over an invite but definitely check that out it's letterboxd.com so letterboxed. yes no e no e uh let's go ahead and talk about what we've been watching why don't you start us off
0: uh the first movie i watched finally took forever to get from netflix norwegian wood which Norwegian is, Wood. Which is a film adaptation of the Murakami book. He's a I don't have you ever heard of Murakami Adam? No. Okay. No, the name sounds familiar. Big time Japanese writer. Yeah. So this is a film adaptation of a, a book by the same name. And a long wait for disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Well, I mean, it was it was mediocre there's nothing really special about it except some of the uh again the cinematography was great but i think it's pretty hard to screw it up when you're filming like the japanese countryside when it's mm-hmm. snowing i mean it's pretty hard to mess that up so i mean the scenes the landscapes everything were beautiful but it was really long entirely too long uh, and it's it sort of recalls this guy's life during the 60s. Uh, in the beginning, a, a friend of his, they're best friends, he kills himself and then uh, and leaves behind his girlfriend, and then they sort of get together and it's all complicated and whatnot. And then he falls in love with another girl, and then he's going back between the two. It's just way too long. Mm. Just, so uh, yeah, it's definitely not, a. I wouldn't suggest it, unless you're a big-time Murakami fan. That's a pass from Kevin. That's a pass. Mediocre. Right. Mediocre. Uh, I finally watched... You remember how a couple of shows ago, I'm not exactly sure when, I mentioned that I have a list of movies that I have to watch before the end of the year? hmm Yep. And I finally got to one of them, which is A Prophet. A Prophet? Yes. The movie from 2009. And let me just say this is a must-see, which I'm sure most people have already seen it by now. I haven't. Well, you need to.
1: (laughs) There were so many times that I was going to watch that, and I just never did. I mean, I was like watching the trailers, and I just never could bring myself to to watch it. It looked so depressing.
0: (laughs) It's somewhat depressing, yeah. But... Like you, I've I've been wanting to watch it ever since it came out. I was just never in the right mood for it. And also, I have the problem with that I watch movies with my wife. So if she's not in the mood for this movie, I don't get to see it. It's sort of hard to watch movies on our own. But finally, you know, I came up with this list and I was like, I have to see this movie. So we finally watched it. Uh, I can definitely see why it was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film. Just... It's like a like a prison epic, and I have to say that French prisons are insane.
1: It looked insane.
0: Yeah, and apparently, uh, the director, Jacques uh, ODR, had like former convicts on his team that you know helped him with the logistics of everything and to keep it as realistic as possible. And I if everything in the movie is completely real. I mean, prison life in France is completely different than American prison. Like, they have TVs in their rooms. They can have coffee whenever they want. (laughs) Like, the one guy has, like, a DVD player. It's ridiculous. The stuff they get. They get leave days. They They build up, like, yeah, they build up, like, good behavior and get leave days where they're allowed to go out into the world for, like, 12 hours and do whatever they want. They can they can do whatever they want, and of course uh the character uh his name is Malik uh of course he uses that time to do crime <laughs> <laughs> he sets up his own little uh, his own little drug deal business that he's got going on but he's the main story of it is that he gets forced into the the Corsican mafia. Uh, he's, he was in like a youth detention center and then he turns 18 and he has to go to the big time prison. And as soon as he gets there, they force him into the gang, essentially by saying that he had to kill a snitch. And if he doesn't do it, they're going to kill him. So within like the first week there, that's what he has to deal with. And then he sort of gets in with them and then a lot of double crossing, just craziness. It was fantastic. There is a little bit of a um, like a supernatural feel to it because there is a ghost that hangs out with him, which is the ghost from the first guy that he kills. So he has visions and stuff. But I think I, I think I miss some of it because uh, Malik is obviously uh, he's a Muslim, and of course you know the title of prophet. I have a feeling that there is some like some symbolism there that I don't really know because I don't know much about the Muslim religion. Mm. So I think some things I missed, which I might go back and do a little research and and see what some of the significance of some of the scenes were, but definitely check it out. Maybe I'll give it a watch this week. Yes. I mean, it is long, but it's definitely worth it. There was, I was I'm never, okay yeah, I was never bored. 'Cause when I first saw it, it was like all oh, over two hours. It's like, oh, this is gonna be a slow one. But it was fantastic. Cool. Awesome. Which was nice after watching Norwegian Wood.
1: Breath of Fresh Air, huh?
0: Mm-hmm. It's not there's nothing better than watching a really good solid film. I agree. I just hate when you get in those ruts where you just watch like mediocre stuff.
1: Yeah. It I feel like I haven't been in that kind of rut for a while, but it's gonna hit like probably after Christmas, after the new year. Usually February and March. That's when that's when the crap starts hitting.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I finally got one off the list. I have 14 movies to go before the end of the year. Cool. What else you got? Uh, I mentioned to this, this to you. I, I, we didn't talk about it on the show, but I was watching an Australian movie called The Square on Netflix Instant. Mm-hmm. And I told you that I was halfway through it and I stopped and I was like, oh, you know, I'll finish it tomorrow. And of course, Netflix took it off at the play instant. (laughs) But I guess like in a week it came back. So I got to finish it this week. Netflix, what the hell? You have been the most stagnant company in so long. You have done nothing. You remember when Netflix first came out, we thought it was like the greatest thing ever. It was, yeah. Yeah, they haven't done anything in like how long? Years. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. I mean, evolve. Well, if anything, they've devolved. Right? And, so yeah, they're, but they have to wait. They're terrible you have wait, ideas. You
1: got to wait 28 days to get movies? Yeah, it's crazy. And
0: what was the service that they came? Was it like Quickster? Quickster? <laughs> yeah. that lasted like a week (laughs) that idea didn't even come to fruition no oh my god no it didn't and it seems like they've been silent since then yeah they they haven't done
1: too much I wouldn't be surprised if they had some plans I mean they are working on their own original content I think that's kind of what their focus is right now
0: yeah but I haven't heard anything about that in a while I mean that was in the news like crazy and then it just sort of died off yeah, I think they have like two or three
1: shows that are either coming out or started coming out. They have that House of Cards, which looks like it might be interesting. With that's the David Fincher one, yeah. With um, Ke- uh, Kevin Spacey,
0: yes, that does look good. I'm interested in that. How'd you like the Square? The Square was pretty good. Uh, it's directed by Nash Edgerton, which is Joel Edgerton's brother, and Joel Edgerton is also in the movie. Apparently, this is, which I had, I have read about these guys, it's a collective called Blue Tongue Films, which, uh, of course, Joel and Nash Edgerton are part of. Um, the director of Animal Kingdom is part of it. And a couple of other people. Uh, Kieran Darcy Smith, I think, has that new movie coming out called uh, Wish You Were Here, which I want to see. That also has mm-hmm. Joel Edgerton. Uh, they also wrote the movie Hesher. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe one of them did direct that. I'm not sure.
1: I can't remember who directed Hesher.
0: I can't either. But uh, they're definitely a group to look out for. Uh, This is like your standard run-of-the-mill. A guy's bored with his married life, and he tries to run away with his mistress. Uh, They try and steal some money from the mistress's boyfriend. And, of course, everything goes terribly wrong. Hmm. Just absolutely wrong. Uh, a dog does get eaten by a shark, which I thought was nice. which I thought was odd. It was just sort of in there for no was reason. Was it real or CG? It, well, it was just there's this little side plot where when the the husband lives across from his mistress, they, there's like a river in between them, and they both have dogs. And when they meet up, they have their dogs with them. So apparently, like the dogs fell in love with each other. So the mistress's dog swims across the river and shows up at the husband's house all the time to be with his dog. Well, there's one time where he's swimming across and then you just see him go under. Mm. So apparently he was eaten by a shark. I mean, it's definitely, like I said, it's run of the mill, but I have to say it was extremely well written. There's really no, because with a lot of these movies, there's so many plot holes that it, mm-hmm. it sort of pisses you off. But in this movie, there's I didn't really find any plot holes. I was just like, yeah, this is completely realistic. So I would definitely check that out if you're into those types of movies, those crime thrillers. Yeah, I am. So I might have to check that one out this week, too. Yes, and be on the lookout for more uh, blue Tongue films because I have a feeling, those, well, those guys are definitely talented because Animal Kingdom was insanely good
1: yeah i'll be looking out for them definitely
0: oh uh, what else did i watch coriolanus the ralph yep. Fiennes movie there's something i've talked extensively of how i don't like period pieces now this is based on a shakespearean play and it's a modern adaptation but th- one of the main things that i hate more than modern adaptations than of Shakespeare plays is when they put it in a modern setting, but they keep the Shakespearean language. Oh God, I hate that. I can't stand Shakespearean language. And I know like, this is going to sound like Ryan. I know that probably makes me an idiot, but I can't, (laughs) I can't stand it. It just drives me crazy.
1: One, one movie comes to mind and that's The Romeo and Juliet, the Leonardo DiCaprio, um, Romeo and Juliet. I remember being all excited to see that back when we were younger and when it came out. And then I saw it and I'm like, why are they talking like that? (laughs) (laughs) What what, what is
0: this? (laughs) Yeah, that's essentially what happened with this movie. I I don't really ever remember seeing trailers for this. I just remember reading that this was supposed to be really good and that it was really underrated and sort of flew under the radar in twenty eleven, and that it was supposed to be this awesome adaptation of a Shakespearean play. And it's it's one it's one Shakespeare play that I actually am sort of interested in. There's only a couple that sound good to me, like this Titus Andronicus. I th- yeah, I like Macbeth, and that's about it, really. Maybe there's some others that I don't even know about. But essentially, he he's a soldier for Rome. Just all these battles and these badass. I mean, like in the beginning of the movie, his face is just stained with blood. It's really, he's sort of terrifying, Ralph Fiennes is. But then he gets banished from Rome and he ends up getting together with his sworn enemy that he's been fighting all of his life. And then they attack Rome, but it turns out that Coriolanus is just a mama's boy. Mm. He does he does whatever his mom tells him. So, like at the end, you're just sort of like, oh, he's not terrifying at all. He's just a wuss. But, so it sounds like you're kind of lukewarm on Coriolanus. Uh, lukewarm. I mean, it was I I really enjoyed Ralph Fiennes' uh direction and his camera work and everything. It's just the the Shakespearean language just took me out of it. I mean, if, if you can deal with that, this is a great movie. Because I would have to say, if they did it in like modern English, you know, just sort of adapted it, I, I would have loved it. But I just, the, the Shakespearean language really took me out of it.
1: I was planning on watching that. I, in fact, I did watch the beginning part of it, but I f- think I fell asleep or something happened and I had to
0: turn it off. Yeah. Anything else? Oh, I finally got to see God Bless America. And? That was my that was my treat for Fourth of July. <laughs> uh, I I really enjoy Bobcat Goldthwait with his uh, his movies. I mean, his stand up not so much, but I think he's definitely a a pretty good director. And I like he, you know he sort of touches on some subjects that other people are afraid of. And I, it was just a good time. It's a good time. I did feel as though that the two of them, uh, Joel Murray, and that Tara Limbar, their two characters, uh, Frank and Roxy, I did feel as though they were hypocrites.
1: Um, I, yeah, yeah, I could see that. I didn't have so much of a problem with that. I felt that the girl was annoying for most of the movie.
0: And she was the biggest hypocrite. I thought.
1: Yeah, but you got to you got to remember she's just a kid, you know. She's like a how old is she? F- 15, 16 or whatever.
0: Yeah, but I mean he kills the people in the the movie theater. Yeah. So, and they were kids. Yeah.
1: I I really enjoyed that movie. I think that that was a really underrated film and I I guess that just because of the subject matter it didn't uh studios didn't really want to touch it.
0: Yeah, but uh, Joel Murray was great. I love Joel Murray. He has so many good, like, uh,
1: monologues and speeches in that movie where you're just like, yes.
0: (laughs) Yes, Yes. especially in the beginning when he's at work and he's talking to the guy that he shares the cubicle with.
1: (laughs) Yes, and actually I took that clip and played it at the top of uh, last week's DVD show.
0: Oh, did you? Nice. Mm-hmm. I did do that. Nice. So. That was the only thing. And I know that they had to do it for storytelling purposes where he's like flipping through the TV and stuff. But at the same time, I'm like, you're watching this shit. You complain yeah. all the time, but you're watching it. Like you just stay up late at night watching all these shows. Yeah.
1: You could just not get cable like us.
0: Yeah. And I did have that song stuck in my head for like yes. a day and a half afterwards. Yep. God. <laughs> <laughs> goddamn song.
1: Yeah, um definitely recommend God Bless America. If you haven't seen that, check it out. It's it's pretty good.
0: It's it's just a good time.
1: Yeah, it's funny. It's entertaining. It's, it's violent. I mean, they they didn't pull any punches. I mean, they really went for it yeah. with that movie.
0: And just some of the some of the things that they make fun of, you're like, "Yes." Yeah. Yes.
1: Well, uh I saw The Dodeca Pentathlon this week. The Duplass Brothers film. We talked about it probably too much on the show. I really enjoyed it. It was it was a light movie. It was only about an hour and 15 minutes long. But it was just a perfect length for what it was. I really enjoyed it. It was really funny. Definitely not as serious as their Cyrus uh, or Jeff who lives at home. But in the duplass brothers style there was some heartwarming moments to it so i'd definitely recommend that one mm-hmm, Okay, i'm continuing my hbo monday night documentary series with the artist is present this i was very surprised at how much i liked this we talked about this before neither of us are really into the whole performance art and it seemed kind of ridiculous to me that the the, the focus of this movie was the um, artist Marina Abramovich and her piece that she did where it was at the Museum of Modern Art in New York. And she sat in a chair for seven hundred and sixty some hours or something like that. And people that would come to the museum could sit in a chair that was directly across from her. And she doesn't she doesn't move, she doesn't do anything. She just sits there and kind of just looks straight. But on the surface, that sounds ridiculous. You're just like, that's an art piece? She's getting paid to just sit in a chair? But when you really look at what she's done in the past and what she does currently, it's more like I look at it more of a stamina or endurance trial than, than anything else because okay. I would not be able to sit in a chair that, for that
0: amount of time. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to do it. Like, no way. Is it just about that performance or, they, or do they talk about her other performances? They, they
1: touch on her other performances because this big um, show at MoMA Uh, actually was, I think they dedicated almost the entire museum to all of her previous work. And what she did was she had 30 artists recreate her other pieces. So she, so she had this, um, she had all the artists come to this like workshop at one of her houses and, uh, it was like on a, on a farm, and she kind of trained them, and and it touched on that, but it also touched on her past as well, like how she got her start and that type of thing. And it was it was really interesting. Like they they would kind of jump back and forth between now with her preparing this new piece, the artist is present, and jumping back and forth between now and then her talking about her past. And it was really good. I mean, it, I highly recommend it very powerful throughout the mm, maybe three quarters of the movie feels like sort of a normal biopic, but at some point it kind of changes and you realize what an impact this, this type of piece can evoke because most of the people that went and sat across from her had this sort of connection with her. And like almost everybody that they showed was like, began crying and weeping
0: and it was just it was really strange that's the thing that sort of makes me want to watch this because I want to see if she discusses it at all or anyone else does so I just it's it seems odd to me and it sort of makes you think like what does that what does that say about us as a society that you can sit down across from someone and then just start breaking into tears
1: well, I think that I think it
0: works I think it works on many levels. I think that it probably
1: is different for each person, and the way that she does it is after each person leaves, she puts her head down, so she's like looking down and then the next person sits down and she like slowly raises her head and mm. stares at the person so it's almost like they described it in the film as like kind of wiping the slate clean. So that each person that she sees, it's just uh, an actual uh, unique moment with each person. Mm. And I think that it works on many levels. Like, it could be just the fact that in our society, in our culture nowadays, we're so disconnected from each other, you know? Like, when do we actually look at people and really have... Moments. And and I think that each person that sits across from her, I think they sit there for 15 minutes. Okay. So you would sit there and look at her for 15 minutes and it was just a very powerful film. And then at one point near the end of the the run, um, they took originally there was a table between them and she had them take that away. So at that point, it kind of changed the dynamic of the whole thing because there was nothing
0: uh, separating the two chairs. Yeah, I have to say I'm, I'm definitely interested because I'm reading about some of our other performances. Uh, you know, she played the Russian game where she takes the knife and does yes. the in-between-the-fingers yeah. and then tries yeah. to recreate it with listening to, the, she tapes herself and then tries to recreate it. She jumps in the fire and loses consciousness. Mm-hmm and to all that. There's one that sounds crazy where she just lays on a table and there's 72 objects that people can use. Mhm. And apparently a lot of the people get very aggressive. Yes. They were allowed to do whatever
1: they wanted to her with those objects. So like people would like paint her and draw things on her and stuff. That was one of them and then there was one that she did where she laid Uh, all these other objects down, and one was a loaded gun.
0: Yeah, because it says she 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 in the same one. Yeah, yeah. She said that you know after like in the it says like in the beginning it was sort of normal. Everyone was cautious and you know reacted with modesty, and and then everyone started getting aggressive. Where they were cutting up her clothes, sticking rose thorns in her stomach. One person aimed a gun at her head. Yeah, I don't even know if she
1: considers it to be like real art because there's there's several times in the movie she's a really down to earth person. She's not. She's really funny and she seems like an like a genuine person. She doesn't seem like some weird snooty artist. She just seems like a normal person. But the you you really have to look below the surface of all her art pieces. One of my favorite ones, (laughs) it's just like a random one. She has two people completely naked. And it is to note that almost all of her art pieces are completely nude, except this one that she did most recently. She wasn't nude, but um, one of my favorites is there's a doorway and they, there's a naked man and a naked woman standing in the doorway and it's a doorway that you have to go through in the museum. So you've got to go through it. But the way that they're standing in the doorway is it's just... Uh, they're standing just close enough together so that you have to squeeze through them. <laughs> and, like, rub in between them. <laughs> 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 I, I just think it's, it's really funny, that one. Uh. I, really, I really recommend checking it out. I, I got a lot more from it than I ever thought that I would and I highly recommend it. So
0: Apparently there's also a video game version of this performance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I imagine that would be really fun. It's probably awesome. I'm going to try and pick that up. I wonder
1: what kind of achievements they have for it. <laughs> I also saw Why Stop Now, the new Jesse Eisenberg, Melissa Leo, Tracy Morgan movie. Not a lot to say about that. I was not into it. I was going to say, the way the way that you're saying that you saw it doesn't sound like it was any good. I mean, it might be for some people. It wasn't for me. It was sort of a, it was a drug movie. Basically, Jesse Eisenberg plays this uh, pianist, very, very talented pianist, who has to get to an audition for this really prestigious school, and he has to take Melissa Leo, who plays his mom, to rehab, but the rehab won't take her because her urine comes back clean because she decided that because she was going into rehab, she didn't want to use drugs for like three days or whatever. Mm -hmm. So when they take her to rehab, her pee comes back clean and they don't take her in. So the guy at the rehab says, you know, don't tell anybody this, but if you go and you use and come back and do the drug test again and it comes back dirty, we'll we'll send you in. Mm-hmm. So she has to so Jesse Eisenberg has to take her to a drug dealer to try to score. Tracy Morgan plays the drug dealer and they go on an adventure.
0: <laughs> it doesn't sound like it's a fun adventure or an entertaining adventure. It's just an adventure.
1: It's a comedy, but it's not very funny. It's more of a dramedy. Mm. And Jesse Eisenberg and Melissa Leo, they do fine. I mean, they're really good actors. So, they do a good job. But Tracy Morgan's pretty much just Tracy Morgan. Nice. I saw The Three Stooges this week as well. I'm not going to say a lot about it. It wasn't a good movie, and I don't recommend it. However, however... There were several things about it that I thought were kind of interesting. One being that every act of the movie had its separate intro, like the original Three Stooges show, and they played the music and had the the old-looking title cards. I thought that was a nice touch. The other thing is that the three guys that played the Three Stooges, I thought they did a pretty decent job.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Their voices and mannerisms and things were similar to the original Stooges. And Larry David as the nun.
0: <laughs> yes, I do see that he plays a nun.
1: Uh, that was kind of weird. And he was funny, but he had this weird voice that he did. And I wish he didn't do that. I wish he just did his normal man voice. Because <laughs> I think that would have been funny, but not not a good
0: movie. What what happened to the Farley Brothers? I don't know. They used to own comedy. They owned it. I don't it. know. And then they made movies like Shallow How, Three Stooges, and Hall Pass. Three Stooges uh. wasn't it wasn't
1: as dismal as I thought it would be. I there were I didn't I don't remember laughing a lot, but there were a, f- a few laughs, and it wasn't nearly as annoying as i thought it would be i still can't recommend it but yeah it wasn't a complete train wreck
0: i like the original idea when it was sort of going to be about their lives and stuff like that instead of just much better like i don't understand the point of making like a three stooges style movie in this day and age where i don't think the three stooges are relevant at all No, and And no one's the biggest problems of the film, and no one's really into that type of comedy anymore. I mean, I'm sorry, but sometimes you just got to let things die off. To the film's defense, there were
1: a few like physical gags that that did work. I mean, some of it was actually funny, but for every one little funny moment or clever moment, there was so many (laughs) things that happened. Yeah, you're just like,
0: oh god. This is like when, when bands from way back in the day, you know, go on tour again and they're sort of playing like the York Fair, <laughs> just, just so they can play that one hit that everyone loves and then they, no, one, no one knows any of their other songs. It's yeah, just like, much. just give up. Just please stop. Pretty much.
1: And finally, I saw The Amazing Spider-Man. This uh, was pretty
0: good. Really?
1: It was good. It wasn't great, but it it was solid. There, it, it, I was comparing this one with the original, the Sam Raimi trilogy, and I realized that because the third Spider-Man was so bad, I think that people are forgetting that the first two Spider-Man movies were actually good. Yeah, uh, and the second one especially. I really like the the second one, but this one has. Some good things. Some things it does better than the Raimi trilogy. Some things it doesn't do as good. I really liked Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man and Peter Parker. I thought that he did a better job than Tobey Maguire.
0: I do like that they kept it, you know, where it's sort of just an awkward kid. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't give it to some, like, beefed up dude.
1: Right. And... The movie works, but at the same time, it's a rehash of what we've already seen. It's an origin story. Yeah. I, mean, I just don't feel like we need an origin story. No,
0: no not this, at all.
1: I thought that they were going to switch it up and make it unique, but it is your pretty... I mean, it's very similar to the Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man, Sam Raimi one.
0: Yeah, it's like they came out and they're like, hey, do you guys remember how Spider-Man started? Yeah, yeah, we do. Well, here's just a refresher, just just to let you know. So, I still
1: recommend going to see it. The fight scenes were really, really good. Like all the, the way that he moved and stuff. Here's my biggest issue. He doesn't wear the mask for probably ninety percent of the movie. And being a big comic book guy. Spider-Man's biggest thing is that he can never have anyone ever know who he is. Like that's his identity is very precious to him because he's trying to protect his loved ones. And in this movie he doesn't seem to care about that. That's like good. Oh. every opportunity that they can get him to take that mask off he does.
0: And it's really frustrating. <laughs> that just what It just seems like a very like there's no reason to add that. Yeah. Like why why would you change that part of the story? I don't know. Let's let's I, not I, have him wear masks.
1: My only guess is so that they could get some Andrew Garfield FaceTime.
0: People are clamoring for that Andrew Garfield FaceTime.
1: <laughs> but it's it's still a solid movie. I recommend it. I recommend going to see it definitely. It's uh, I wouldn't say it was a disappointment for me because I didn't have really high expectations going into it. So it, it wasn't a disappointment.
0: Check it out. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to. We don't have any not to
1: bees this week. It's been kind of a slow news week. So let's just go over a couple regular news stories. Um, first up we have Ernest Borgnine passed away at age 95 this weekend. Um,
0: great actor were you were you a Borgnine fan? Uh I think so. I can't really remember a lot of stuff that he was in. I know that I did enjoy him. Mikhail's navy. He wasn't Mikhail the good Mikhail's Navy. Uh, he was in the bad one too. Yeah, he did have a cameo.
1: <laughs> I mean, this guy, when you look at his his uh, filmography, <laughs> he, man. Was, he was in small soldiers. He was in everything, like basketball. You, I, I, there was something I saw him in just like last year. I mean, this this guy's a workhorse. I mean, he was ninety
0: five. Yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. Tons of stuff.
1: Yeah. great actor. He'll definitely be missed.
0: He was an airwolf. Remember airwolf? Yes. Air yes. <laughs> he was an airwolf. You got any news? Um, yeah, and uh, you might be interested in this. I mean, it, it is Michael Fassbender, but he has signed on to star and produce a movie based on the Assassin's Creed series. Ooh! So the Assassin's Creed game is going to be made into a film with Michael Fassbender starring and producing.
1: That is actually very exciting. Yeah. That's like Ryan's favorite game. I know.
0: Which we gotta, I want to tell Ryan.
1: Yeah. I wonder he, if he, he knows,
0: because he's going to lose his shit. <laughs> does he know who Michael Fassbender is? I don't know if he does. <clears throat> oh, we'll just say that he's the android from Prometheus, yeah. and then he'll know. And then he'll probably be like, oh, it's going to suck. Because <laughs> he, he, he hated Prometheus. Oh, that's good. That's good yeah so we got um, we got that, and the Shadow of the Colossus video game movie coming out by the guy that directed Chronicle so you I, think that that's, I
1: think yeah, I'm actually excited about both of those. I think that maybe maybe those two movies will break the curse of the video game film
0: uh it would be nice be nice. We'll see. Let's talk
1: about some Amazon deals, okay. To get these incredible deals, just go to our site at net. either <clears throat> click on the Amazon banner, shop as you would normally, or click on the store link, check out some of our favorites and what we've been watching throughout the week. First up we have Super Eight Blu ray, eleven ninety nine. I really like Super Eight. I think this was a fantastic.
0: <clears throat> I'm gonna try and watch that in the next couple of weeks.
1: Just it's like classic Spielberg. <clears throat> it does look recall. that way. Directed by J.J. Abrams. <laughs> uh, then we have Stand By Me, the 25th anniversary Blu-ray. Oh, shit, Adam. Yeah, yep. My, one of my favorite, all-time favorites. $9.99 for this. So pick that up. I think this is the first time Stand By Me is on Blu-ray. They're just releasing it, so that's exciting. Then we have The Patriot. Extended cut. Oh God! This one's for you, Mel Gibson. Nine
0: ninety nine. I hate that movie.
1: the The scene, the only scene, one of the only scenes I remember in The Patriot is when he takes the American flag and starts impaling people with the American
0: flag. <laughs> the only I remember that scene. <laughs> the only other scene I remember is when he's trying to make a chair and he can't make a chair. And his chair keeps breaking. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that. Oh, but he had a really tough time making chairs. There you have it. No so <laughs> Gibson, <laughs> difficulty making chairs. I think that's what the whole basis of the movie is about, right? Probably. He gets frustrated about not being able to make chairs and then starts impaling people with the American flag.
1: That sounds like the Patriot in a nutshell.
0: <laughs> yep. That's the synopsis.
1: Oh, talking about nutshells. Let's discuss savages.
0: <clears throat> yes. Not sure what
1: that means, but
0: yeah, let's let's talk about this.
1: All right, Tra- so this is train wreck. This is Oliver Stone's new film <clears throat> starring Taylor Kitsch, um, Blake Lively, Aaron Johnson. Which I would like to actually send out an apology to Aaron Johnson. I think it was last week on the show. I said that. It was a movie with Taylor Kitsch, Blake Lively, and some other guy that we don't know. It was just that I didn't recognize him in the trailer.
0: Yeah, because this guy is really good. He's like a chameleon. And yes,
1: and <clears throat> okay. I got to preface that I really do like Aaron Johnson. Mm-hmm. I think he's a great actor. If you don't recognize the name, he was in Kick-Ass and uh, Nowhere Boy. And, and he's British. He's British, yeah. Which I yeah. didn't even know. I didn't know until after I saw Kick-Ass.
0: Yeah, same here. I didn't know
1: that. Great, great actor. And I do apologize for not naming him last week when we talked about it. So, John Travolta is also in this. And we got Emil Hirsch in a very small role. Uh, Benicio Del Toro and Selma Hayek are also in it. Let me just say that on a personal level, this was one of my least favorite movies of the year. I hated it. I thought that everything about it was pretty unoriginal down to the poster. (laughs) And the, uh, let me also preface that we're probably going to get into some spoilers, but probably nothing
0: too major. Yeah, maybe. Well, Mm. we can also preface it by saying that we don't, Think you should go see this movie? No, don't waste your time or your money. Don't waste your time.
1: Don't waste your money. Let's let's start at the beginning of the film.
0: Well, let me st- let me start with one thing. If you if you are interested in a movie of this like this type of movie, I would suggest going to see Soderbergh's Traffic, or even checking out the recent Miss Bala, which deals with the Mexican drug cartel, which was immensely better than this movie. Or even Blow. Yeah, even Blow. There's so many better drug movies.
1: I mean, it seems like there's a lot of like potheads that are like, oh, savages, it's about weed, let's go. And Ryan actually really liked this movie, so...
0: <laughs> and <laughs> I he, he wouldn't come on the show because, because of it.
1: I don't understand how anyone could like this movie when there's... So many issues with it. First off, the horrible, horrible voiceover by Blake Lively.
0: This, this is the worst the voiceover narration I've heard in forever. It's so bad. Just cringe worthy lines after another. Yes. Horrible
1: <laughs> exposition with things that we don't need to know.
0: Like <laughs> Yes.
1: Talking about characters that are barely
0: in the film at all—it's—it's it's just completely unnecessary. And it, to me, some of these—if pe- some people don't know this—but it's ba- it's based off of a book by mm-hmm. Don Winslow of the same name. And to me, it just seemed very amateurish because it seemed like Oliver Stone was like, "Well, we have a lot of narration in the book. How can we, how can we translate that onto film?" Oh, we'll just have Blake Lively say and describe everything that you're seeing. Like I'm smart enough that I can understand what's happening on the screen. I don't need Blake Lively explaining it to me. Yeah,
1: well, what did you think of the the camera work and like cinematography? <clears throat> they they do a lot of different camera tricks in it. They switch to
0: black and white well, from d- time to time. <clears throat> Why that was the that infuriated me. Yes. What, what, the, what the hell was the point of that? They would do it for like a split second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did like some of the other camera work. Um, everything was very saturated with light, very mm-hmm. sun-soaked. Yes. I mean, it felt like California. Um, but yeah. Th- some of the camera work, it sort of had like a 70s feel to it, like how movies in the 70s were, were filmed. <clears throat> but the, the black and white stuff was just, really mind boggling i didn't understand it i didn't un- like what what did it add what was the point yeah. of it there is only like two scenes right and they were both like a second each there was the there was one at the
1: beginning i think and then there was one that i can remember while she was driving
0: somewhere mm-hmm. i think yeah and,
1: and i can't remember any
0: other and then ones. i think they ended it with it too i think they book ended it It's black and white. And just the fact that she comes on, she was like, just because I'm telling you this story doesn't mean that I'm alive at the end. Like, no shit. I know that. I'm not retarded. I know that you can Uh, die. It's a movie. I know how movies work. um, I hated that. I hated the voice narration so much. The
1: thing, I guess, that frustrates me, or that did frustrate me, is when the movie started, I was not into it. I was like, oh, this is horrible. Like... All the the dialogue was bad and everything, but then at some point, maybe within the first, uh, maybe like twenty minutes in, it started getting better. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know exactly at what point, but I remember thinking like, oh, okay, this is starting to pick up. I am kind of digging this. It, maybe it, maybe it was when they introduced Emil Hirsch's character and. Then I was kind of I was kind of into it. I thought that there were some action scenes that happened that were cool. I liked the action scenes, but then it just went downhill real fast. Yeah. And, it, and it was it was just a frustrating film because there'd be one scene that I was really into and then there'd be the very next scene was would be so horrible. That I'd be like, I can't even. I don't even want to watch this.
0: Yeah, I was. I did find myself checking my watch. Like, when the hell is this going to be over? Well, it is. It, yeah, it which is overly long. Is way too long. Way too yeah. long because it, I and they waste so much time on the Blake Lively describing things to you or that are on the screen, like you're five years old. Like, oh, what what are they doing? Why is Chan beating up people? Oh, Chon's John's the 1% that does the violence part. Okay. Okay. I was wondering why he was beating people up. Yeah, it was, um,
1: also I felt like it was as far as the tone of the film, I felt like it was all over the place because they would have these scenes in Laguna beach and everything would be like, you know, like you said, sun soaked, very saturated. And the, like the, the dialogue would be real snappy and kind of Carey, almost funny. Yeah, carefree it, it have, and... It would have, like, a comedic tone. And in the very next second, they would show us something that was so violent <laughs> yeah. and graphic and gruesome <clears throat> that you're just like, whoa, like, what's going on here?
0: I mean, this is a violent film. Yeah. it's a, Yeah, it's, it's very violent. I did, like... Uh what is that guy's name? The lawyer, the first guy that Benicio del Toro kills, the guy from Take Shelter. He played oh, a lawyer. What's his name? I think it's like Shay Wingham or something like that. I was hoping he would be in it more, but he wasn't. But I do have to say, John Travolta was very good. I was yeah. surprised. I don't normally like him, but he was great in his role as the DEA agent. Hmm. Um, Benicio del Toro? was fantastic, which he always is. I mean, mm-hmm. that guy's unbelievable. And that was one of the reasons that I didn't hate this film as much as I did, because I said in the previous show that all I wanted was a good performance from Benicio Del Toro, and I would be happy enough. And I got that. It just it had my two, two things that I hate more than anything in movies it had, which was the voiceover, which was, like I said, the worst ever. And the, and this is a spoiler, the ending, which yes. as soon as the ending happened, I legit, like in my head, I was like, God, oh, get the fuck out of here. Are you kidding me? I wasted all that time for this. Like I wanted to just get up and walk out.
1: It was the worst ending in recent memory. And if you remember, even after they did the ending, there was still more after mm-hmm. that. <laughs> So, like, <clears> they did the ending, which the fir- I believe the first ending that they did, they should have just left it there. That should have been yeah. it. That should have been the end of the movie. But no, <clears> they, do, <throat> they do their little thing, and then they have the other ending, and you're like, okay, all right, I'm done. And then there's more. And you're yeah. just like, are you kidding me?
0: Yeah. It's there's like salt in the wound. Yeah. And which engine did you like more... The the first one, I I thought that
1: they should. Well, you know, but it's hard to say because by the time I saw the second one, I was so infuriated (laughs) that I just wanted to leave.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, the second ending, I I like how they did that with the second ending, but I think that this film should be seen as a tragedy, and. I think that the first ending fits the mold of this film, of the story.
0: Plus, I think it needs to be said that this was completely unrealistic. No. Well, the, the whole time completely
1: the whole time I'm thinking to myself, like, what am I watching? Why are they going? Why is this even happening? Like I just, I felt like the, the stakes weren't, like, why was Selma Hayek's character and Benicio del Toro and all them? Why were they even bothering? Like, yeah, they had all this power and all this money and stuff. Like, why give them the money to to do like the deal and stuff? And and why be nice to her? I mean, clearly these are evil people, and yet mm-hmm. they're so nice to Blake Lively's character. Yeah, and I
0: mean, they're they're a huge Mexican drug cartel. You know that they already, that this that Ben and Chon, which that right there I hated as well. His name's Chon for Christ's sake. Mm. <clears throat> they have the seeds. You know how to grow pot. You've been growing pot forever. You're the Mexican drug cartel. All you need to do is steal their seeds and put them out of business. And it's over. You don't have to deal with them ever again. Yeah. But no, they go through these little games. It's like, I'm pretty sure the Mexican drug cartel wouldn't do any of that stuff. I think that they would just kill him. Yeah. (laughs) Just kill him and move in. Yeah. And that was the other thing that, like I said, it's completely unrealistic. A couple white dudes taking on the Mexican drug cartel. No, that wouldn't happen. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, but Taylor Kitsch did like four tours in Iraq. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was like a super soldier. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. That's why I say go watch Miss Bala. It's a more realistic portrayal of what drug cartels do. So that's definitely a pass for me.
1: I was not into this film at all. I, the the ending alone yeah. is enough to stay away. Mm. It was. I thought that the ending was absolutely terrible. I, f- I felt like it was a lazy film. Mm-hmm. I thought it was generic in a lot of ways. And
0: like I said, just amateur storytelling. Yes. The fact that, uh, come on, you should know how to. You're Oliver Stone. You should know how to adapt a book. Yep. Okay. And which, which, uh, I like I said about Tim Burton and stuff like that. I'm done with Oliver Stone.
1: Oh, I'm like done with I, Oliver Stone. I
0: don't. Too. I don't even care if someone's like, "Ooh, the new Oliver Stone movie." I just be like, yeah, whatever.
1: Done. Yeah. I think that does it for that conversation. Don't don't go see it, please. No, don't. Let's move on to our predictions. Recapping last week, the amazing Spider Man, I said seventy three percent, you said seventy seven, actual seventy two. Son of a bitch. Savages, I said fifty, you said sixty one, actual fifty three. No oh, And th- these are rotten tomato scores. The Dodeca Pentathlon, I said 63, you said 60, actual 61. Ooh, what? So, just to... Oh, I got that one. You got that
0: one. I finally won one. I've been in yeah. such a
1: rut. Current score, uh, I
0: have 24, you have 16. Oh, we didn't guess the Katy Perry movie? <laughs> no. Damn. No, we didn't. I'm sad to see that, that was that was the highest. Yeah. That's that the highest... Oh my god, it's higher than Ted.
1: I mean, I I don't think that in in the future I don't think we should bother rating any of those music movies. No, I mean they're not they're not real movies. Let's be honest. No. Uh, This week we have Easy Money, aka Snab Cash. This is the (laughs) Joel Kinnaman film. I already saw this, (laughs) but uh, we can go ahead and guess some scores. What do you uh,
0: think? Snap a cash. I'm going to say like a 80. 80? 80. Yeah.
1: I'm going to say 70, uh, six.
0: 76. 76? Okay.
1: Ice Age.
0: Ice Age. Which Which number is this now?
1: I think it's four or five. I think it's four.
0: Four? Hmm
1: because they usually start to go well, downhill. I think it's going to be terrible.
0: I'm going to I'm going to go
1: like a like a 58. I'm going to say 50. 50. And then we have red lights. This is the Killian Murphy um Sigourney Weaver Robert De Niro film
0: by the guy that directed Buried.
1: Yes, I I haven't been reading very good things about this, although I am still very interested in seeing it.
0: I know. Same here.
1: I'm going to say like 46 on this one.
0: Mm. Yeah, I am sort of bummed out because I really enjoyed Brood. But everything I keep seeing about red lights, it's making me think that it's not going to be that good. It's going to be a disappointment. I'm going to go like a, what do you say? 40. I said 46. I'm going to go 50. And then we have the
1: documentary, The Imposter. This looks really, really good, and it's getting a lot of buzz, positive buzz. I think this showed at a lot of the festivals, and people are yeah. just freaking out over this one. And I think it looks amazing. So I'm gonna say like ninety-five.
0: Ooh, yeah, I'm gonna go. Hmm, that was the number I was gonna go with. <laughs> I'm going to go like a 92. Okay,
1: 92. All right, well, I think that does it. There we go. Uh, For all the latest film news and reviews, visit us at filmpulse.net. We want to hear your feedback. Send us an email at feedback at filmpulse.net or call our voicemail line at 850-391-6071. Also, please take a minute to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And I am Kevin. And we will see you Tuesday for DVD and Blu-ray releases.